Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. In racing terms, the flags are crossed over, furled flags as we go across the yard of bricks right now because it means we are halfway home. Reach the halfway distance here on this Thursday edition of Kevin and Query. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. Sam Fritz running the board for us. Kevin Bowen back on Wednesday because we are actually going to be out on Monday and Tuesday to celebrate the Independence Day holiday back on Wednesday. Joining How many us- PBRs are you going to have on that those that couple days? Oh, man. Enjoy it. Look for- well, I've got, to, I've got to call the race at Mid-Ohio. That's oh, okay. Then- you got after the race. <laughs> That's right. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sugars Hotline, which, by the way, Payless Sugars is a great place to go buy your PBR or any of your beverages to get set for Independence Day. Um, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I'm going to begin with this. As free agency, you know, the, the Pacers have an open spot on their roster. If if you, let's say that, that you win a contest and they say, good news, Scott Agnes, the player that the Pacers are going to sign in free agency for their open roster spot, you, Scott Agnes, get to move into that player's former home from where they're coming. The city in which you would have a new second home would be where? Oh, man. Uh, So I'm going to go via trade, and I'm going to go to Brooklyn is where I'm going. So you believe that would that be what, Cam Johnson? No, Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay. That's That's at least who they are trying to get up until the draft. So that's why I'm going going with uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. And it was probably just a nice little apartment, maybe a hotel, because he got traded midseason. So there's probably not much to that little loft there in Brooklyn. So he now obviously when you say trade, because he is not a free agent, right? So they have the open Correct. roster spot, and in lieu, in lieu of, I should say, signing a free agent, they still would make a move. And they have some future assets to be able to do that with that would not compromise current roster spots, right? They do. The, the challenge here, though, is you, you don't have all those draft picks that, that were valuable. And so that makes this a lot more complicated. But for the sake of the game, that, that seemed to be the mo- most obvious um, a, a decision there because they were big fans of Dorian. I think his contract's great, three years, really two because of a player option in that final year. Um, so, but at least you know you have his control. He's over 30 for a couple years. Um, would would make for an ob- obvious marriage, I think, right there. Okay, now, in terms of current roster personnel that the Pacers have that they could potentially use as part of that trade, if you had to go to the home area of the player that the Pacers are sending <laughs> out to break the news to people, then you are buying a plane ticket to go where? Hmm. <sighs> Yeah, of the of the guys that are trying to be moved, you're probably looking at Chris Duarte. You're probably looking at Daniel Tice. 
Um, to me, those are the, the two mo- most likely candidates that would be outgoing. So you're flying to the Dominican and Germany. You're li- you're racking up some miles here for your Brooklyn flight. <laughs> Although Bo- Daniel's been all over, though, from Boston to Indy to yeah, and he'll be in he'll be in Germany too coming up for the World Cup. So that's a place I've never been. So I'd like to go. <laughs> Scott Agnes is costing us money for all this news he's got to give us. <laughs> Scott, you know Duarte's an interesting case. Let's begin with that. Scott Agnes is our guest here. Kidding aside, Duarte's an interesting case because it does seem as though, for whatever reason, and, and you know he was a really nice player as a rookie. When he's healthy, he has been a guy that can give you minutes. But for whatever reason, it fair or not, it just seems like. He's kind of hit the ceiling in terms of Indiana. But does he have value elsewhere? Is he a guy that has shown enough in the NBA that there are other franchises that would say, you know what, we can give him a fresh start here and see what we can get out of him? Yeah, I think in a perfect situation, Jake, they would be able to start the season with him and see for themselves, quite frankly, what he looks like for two or three months. The challenge, though, is just look at the the depth right now on the roster and it's like all right so whose minutes is he getting and how how many and and is he really going to be able to help himself with those minutes so i would have concern personally that you know maybe would his would his value even decrease even further now he's entering year three of his rookie scale deal which is incredibly valuable for someone like him had a solid rookie season Last year, I really just throw out just because of injuries. was never able to kind of really get going. Um, so I don't even necessarily blame that or, um, you know, put that on him by any means. The challenge here, though, is they, they have so many people at that position, so many guys, that I don't know how he could get the minutes that he could then increase his value even more than it is right now, which is obviously lower than it was probably – at this, it, it absolutely is lower than it, it was this time last year. Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files joining Kevin and Query on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Uh, talking about some free agency free agents that are available that don't need to be acquired via trade, Scott, is Harrison <laughs> Barnes atop the Pacers free agent wish list? I keep hearing his name associated with them. Yeah, I think that's very real uh, for him to be up there. Um, there's that obvious connection between him and several individuals within the franchise. He could fit the role also of being a veteran on the roster. And right now, if they don't send anything out in a trade, they don't even have any free spots for one one of those veteran guys that we heard so much about last season. Um, and to end the year, they had James Johnson and George Hill. Um, I guess you could also include Daniel Tice among that bunch. But Harrison fills so many needs. He's so reliable, doesn't cause drama in the locker room knows his role, can do so many different things on both ends of the floor that um, the the setup for Harrison that I think could be a really appealing to both sides is they could really give him a, a, a bigger contract for this first year in particular. That's something I'm watching closely here. It's something a lot of us think about as the J.J. Reddick contract. It's uh, He got a one-year deal with Philadelphia that was for $23 million about six years ago, and that doesn't seem that high today. But back then, that's about twice what he was probably valued at. But Philly had the cap space for the season. They had a roster spot. They had a lot of young guys. It was still very early in the, the process, and they needed, they needed a true pro, a guy that could contribute on and off the court. I could see the Pacers very much doing something similar. Therefore, um, 
easily having the the ability to go get the guy they wanted in free agency and being able to kind of outbid other teams. Another name I heard that kind of made me raise my eyebrows uh, was Mark Stein reporting that the Pacers are interested in uh, Miami's Max Struess, possibly signing him to a multi-year deal. Any any uh, rumblings you're hearing about that one, and how do you think he would fit with the Pacers? Yeah, I do not on that one, and my first indication on that is, one, this is way too loud for this Pacers franchise in terms of, like, a report getting out there. And, two, like, I don't see the fit. We They don't need another 6'5 guard. Like, that's literally I agree. what this roster is littered with. So, to me, that that doesn't quite add up in a variety of ways. I mean, now, in terms of fit, if it was legit, I mean, it, he's a – He's a four-year guy, so still kind of young, on the rise. He, he's basically like a Duarte in many respects, a, a Buddy Heald, a Ben Shepard. So, like, it just it's too repetitive to me for the for everything to add up in that respect. You know, Scott, the NBA is interesting because Scott Agnes is our guest on the Payload Sugars Hotline. He's from Fieldhouse Files. It's interesting to me, Scott, the, the NBA amongst – most leagues is the one that has when teams win a title especially of late that it, it comes in bunches typically for them right I mean you see teams that maybe they don't win like three straight but they they have like little eras I mean the, it goes without saying the Pistons the Bulls the Celtics the Lakers the Warriors mm-hmm. you know the Heat when whatever it might be to me in my lifetime and you got to go way back but when I was a little kid the Seattle Supersonics won an NBA title, and I think intermixed in there as well. The Washington Bullets won one like when I was in kindergarten. I have no recollection of those teams, and you never hear about them. You hardly ever hear about – I mean, you hear about Wes Unseld, obviously, right? That that 79 team with Seattle, I, Lenny Wilkins coached them. I know that. I, Dennis Johnson played there, but I'm like, okay. Which of the two teams, if based on the way today's NBA structure is, and I know that they have megastars right now, but the two teams, Milwaukee and Denver, is it possible that either one of those are going to be the one that 40 years from now people are going to look at and go, wait a minute, Milwaukee won? When, how did Denver win a title? Or do we now have the foundation with those franchises that they can pick up a few more of them to validate their title? Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter because both are, are in prime position. Now, Milwaukee has a few things they got to check off when you talk about free agency with a Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, um, certain things like that. I, I think Denver is is more likely than Milwaukee right now to get another title just because of having, having Jokic, having the players that they do and under the certain contracts right now. Milwaukee was the oldest team in the league last year. So – they're having to make adjustments. And, little and that was before George Hill left, right? I'm sorry, say that again, Jake. You said they were the oldest team in the league. And keep in mind, I mean, George Hill was with them, and, you know, he comes oh, yeah. here. I mean, so that's before that even, right? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know things weren't in a great spot when they, they wipe out and do an entire new coaching staff as well during the offseason. So we don't know how that's going to pan out. I think of, of those two, Milwaukee – has the more of a chance to be more forgettable. You won't forget about Giannis. You won't forget that he won a title. But I, I think you could forget about how important Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton were to that group. Um, 
But I, I think this Nuggets team is really going to have a, a real chance to compete for another one in the next three years for sure. And I and I really like how the front office there kind of doubled down and, and kind of advanced some of their assets from the future and got them more present day so that they can help the, this current group um, much more so than like a 2029 first-round pick. You know, how much is that really going to help Jokic down the road? Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files joining us on Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Uh, Scott, the Pacers Summer League roster came out, and I kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit because I saw Benedict Mathern, Andrew Nemhard, and Isaiah Jackson participating in the Summer League. Is that something they discussed with the team that they agreed on, that they wanted some extra reps? Uh, what are we going to be expecting from those three guys in the Summer League rotation? Yeah, that would definitely be something that was agreed upon or asked to do um, and certain things like that. The other thing is, to know like those players it's not like there's an additional salary or a bonus for taking part in this the only thing they're getting is per diem transportation meals to you know those sorts of things now in terms of the roster like will they actually play in the game i think that we'll see i i wouldn't expect more than a game or two from those older i was about to say veterans no they're not even close to veterans but veterans for a summer league um roster although uh, you do see some NBA teams go really bold and, like, actually bring in veterans. Like, Michael Beasley, as a 30-year-old, was on, like, a Clippers Summer League team, which is crazy. But um, I, for for Matherin and Nemhart, they're not expected to play with Team Canada this summer um, in the World Cup. I see this as those two just wanting to play, wanting to get more reps, wanting to make the, the most out of this huge summer. Isaiah Jackson having a lot to prove. I think it's it'll be very – Fun to see uh, in practice what he looks like with Jarris Walker, and maybe him being on this team helps inform us a little bit about how the Pacers feel about Isaiah, his his short term future um, with this team, and I'm, I just mean short term in terms of the rest of his contract um, right now. And then, the, yeah, it, I, I just I think it would be great to be able to see him maybe for a game or two, but. I got a lot of quote retweets uh, after the roster came out and was like, here's your summer league champions or look at this roster. It's like, I highly doubt that three or four of these guys will play more than a couple of games. Like you're looking at Jairus Walker, Ben Shepard. If those guys get to the third game, I think everyone should be happy. I doubt they play in game four and game five, just because that's typically how it's handled for these stars. I'd like to see Victor Wembanyama more than one game. I think he'll play one, maybe two out in, uh, Vegas, but that's that's what it looks like for for Las Vegas. I mean, I'm not complaining if I'm Matherin or Nemhard. You get a trip out to Vegas and you get per diem and all well, that stuff. Hell yeah, Scott. I wanted Sign to ask up. you this: You've been to summer league, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How does because I had somebody ask me this, and I'm like, you know, I have no idea. I've only been to summer league. It was years ago. I went to the summer league in Minnesota. The big story was Artest and Jonathan Bender were playing in it, so <laughs> I actually went up and covered it. That shows you how long ago it was. For fans, if you were a fan of the Indiana Pacers and you and a couple guys are like, let's go to Vegas for three days and take in some games, how, and you may not know the answer to this, Scott, so I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but how does ticketing work? I mean, do you, can you buy tickets for it? Is it just like one session? Do you have to buy individual games? Do you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, highly recommend that to any basketball fan, even if, like, uh, you know, it's not just for the Pacers. I would highly recommend doing that. I would also go at the very beginning of Summer League because of what I just mentioned. Is That's the most likely chance to see your full roster, to see the stars. Um, the Friday night slate, which is opening night on July 7th, 
will have an incredible matchups with you know Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio against Brandon Miller in Portland. Um, the nightcap you'll have the Warriors with Trace against Jalen Hood Shafino and the Lakers. In terms of like ticketing, they they sell both advanced tickets um, and you and depending on which when you're going, like if it's the nightcap Friday night, I, I'm sure those seats are already sold out. Um, but if it's like next month, the first Monday, you can just show up. I think it's about $45 at the box office. And the thing is, while that price sounds high, Jake, that gets you in all day. So there's like 14 games across a whole day. And so you, you can't it. buy like an all-league pass, right? I, I'm, I'm not aware of an all-tournament, all let's call it pass, um, anything like that. But if you just bought like three days, it's probably costing you less than 150 bucks for 40 games over three days, both gyms. And, and when you're going from gym to gym, by the way, Jake, you might bump into John Calipari and a popular agent that you might know of. And maybe a Pacer scout is walking by in his, in his team gear. And then, you know, that, that's the other thing that you might have a chance of, of running into. Um, because so many NBA person, Fred Jones, Eddie Gill of the Pacers have been out there before that, that are just wandering around that you might um, bump into while you're going between gyms. So I would highly recommend that for any basketball fan. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And stay at an MGM property because that's where they stay, the teams in general. So, I mean, yeah, I would definitely recommend all of that. By the way, I, I overheard yesterday a contest taking place, I won't say where, on coming up with names, nicknames for Victor Webamiyama. Do you want to know the one that I think was by far the best? I would, yeah. The franchise. Mm. That's solid. That's solid, isn't it? That's got the stick, only thing right? I, I like that as a, a a general nickname. The trouble is like a reference nickname to like bring him on a show. You're not going to announce. Yo, we got the franchise. You know, I, if it needs to be quick and shorter, I think. Right. I think that's why most people lean on just like Victor, Vic, and Wimby. Um. When Web Antonio, as they said on uh, the ESPN telecast. <laughs> Come on, really? Yeah. yeah. That's a bit much. That, yeah, I would agree. I think the franchise is – I think it works. Steve Francis was Stevie Franchise. I mean, come on, right? I feel like if you say the franchise, though, they're, they're, people are just going to think you flubbed the word franchise. Or French fries. That could be, too. You know, they're freedom fries, actually. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Fun fact that you may not know, Jake. Jan Mahimi, the former Pacer, he owns multiple Steak and Shake franchises. See, there I did it. Multiple franchises over in France. Really? Yeah. Now, he's a big fashionista, right? Huge, yes. Has his own fashion line. Did not know that. He was a cool dude, actually. Pretty cool. One dude. of the best, yeah. One of the greatest, nice humans. Just, yeah, he, very so, pure. So how did he get involved in, like, the food business? I My understanding is he liked the steak and shake here and wanted to bring it over there. Now, so cl- I, clearly, so time in Indianapolis influenced it. Entirely. So basically, what we're getting at is, if you want to go to Steak and Shake, you don't have to. You, you can't go to Nora anymore. You got to go to France. Is that right? Did he did yeah, he put in the I initial ten thousand dollar investment and then he gets sixty percent of the proceeds? <laughs> I guess, yeah. That's, that's pretty so awesome. disappointing, Jake, too, because that's where I went after being a North Central guy. That's where I went after every football game. Oh, are like, you kidding? The, the eighty six shake gone. Come on. I, I mean, a part of me died. Right. I I drove past yeah. him. Like, are you kidding, Scott? I'm not kidding you. There was a time in my life where I literally thought to myself, you know, 
like people come and go in your life, jobs come and go in your life, pets come and go in your life. At least I know I'll always have the Nora Steak and Shake. I literally thought that at one, I was like, there's no way this place could, could ever, ever, ever go out of business. And then I have no idea what happened, but I, I drove, maybe that's, maybe I wasn't going there enough. Clearly wasn't paying attention, but I drove past and I'm like, it's gone. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I'm the same way. And even more concerning is I, I just found out like two weeks ago driving past. So I don't even know how long it's been closed. Well, that's clearly, clearly, Scott, we're the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't believe, like, you know, that place was so popular, nobody went there anymore. I wonder what happened. Yeah, okay. And no, now, what about Patties of Jamaica, Scott, as a North Central guy? I would assume you also are in the, the loop on Patties uh, of Jamaica, right? I am not. No, I remember seeing one of your posts, and oh, I, I texted you about it, and it's like, I need to go through there. That's okay, like five well. minutes from where I grew up, but, but I still have not made it there, no. Okay, well, it's nice to have you on for the last time. Oh, man. Patty's in Jamaica, 52nd Allisonville. Stefan, it is the greatest. I've been past there no less than a thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration. I'm telling you. I, everybody listening to this right now, today for lunch, needs to go to. Matter of fact, I just might meet people there. Who who the hell wants to go to Patty's in Jamaica today and have lunch? You want to go, Mark? Uh, no, I'm busy. I anybody? Go, I, anybody I, want, I, would, I would go. I've got to watch somebody the Somebody text though. me right now if you want to go to Patty's in Jamaica and have lunch today at noon. It's 52nd Allisonville is the best i'm telling you like we can have lunch for three bucks you'll and you you will say to yourself this is the greatest thing i've ever had in my life text me right now and if, if one person texts me i'll meet them at patty's of jamaica at noon today there you go everybody has my number right scott agnes thanks for joining us for the nba free agency talk and for talking about steak and shakes of steak and shakes of yore that was uh nice to nice to reminisce about that appreciate the time <laughs> as always man yeah thank you guys I'm telling you Five two three ninety two eighty eight. If somebody is serious, I'll meet him at Patty's right. Jamaica today. So, someone give Jake a lunch date today. Scott Agnes Fieldhouse Files. It's always the best. appreciate him jumping on. And we've got ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. I can't believe you've never had it. I've never had it. ESPN's Jeremy How Fowler. How long have you been a communist? A, a long time. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler joins us in 10 minutes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Technically, it is 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin Bowen back on Wednesday when we come back from the couple of days off for Independence Day holiday. Sam Fritz running the big board for us. We've been talking a lot this morning about the situation with the Colts, Isaiah Rogers. Uh, the ESPN report yesterday that, that kind of went along with what we've been saying uh, and ESPN has been saying for a couple of weeks. Joining us now on the Palo Sickers Hotline, appreciate his time in doing so, as senior NFL reporter for ESPN, Jeremy Fowler joins us. And Jeremy, it's going to sound like actually I am nitpicking the ESPN report or questioning it. I, I want to make clear up front that is not the case. Um you know, we're all kind of searching for clarity, if you will, which I think will probably come together here soon. So let me begin by asking this. I know that you guys yesterday had reported that Isaiah Rogers is the only name 
in terms of the players that are about to be hit by the end of the week, it appears, by the NFL. Is that because that's the only one that, that has been definitively um, labeled because he himself came out? In other words, do you have the other names, or are we waiting on that still? Well, I can't say for certain, uh, since it's not my report, but I, I can say that uh, you know, typically if you have the names confirmed, um, it could have been included in one place, uh, I would imagine. So uh, in this case, it might be a scenario where since Roger's name was already out there, it was known um, based on reports uh, that he was being investigated by the NFL, that that one was a little more clear cut. So I, I don't know who knows about the others. I know there are a handful. I think it'll probably be about four players. Um, it's kind of the, the early word that I've heard. We'll see if that's true or not, but uh, it, it will be more than two, I imagine. Do we know, and my apologies, Jeremy, if this was already out there and I missed this aspect of it, um, have there been other, do we know what other teams that, that may be involved? Not yet. Not yet. I think by the end of the week we'll get that clarity. Jeremy, it sounds like Isaiah Rogers uh, from Adam Schefter's report is going to have like a mirror suspension to Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley, when he was pinched, was away from the team and uh, only bet on a handful of games. Uh, it, it seems like, from what we've heard with Isaiah Rogers, that he's actually bet on Colts games that he participated in. Now, is is that something where the NFL is actually going to come down when this news does become official? It's going to be a more weighted suspension, or is it just going to be a wait-and-see approach with the one-year suspension, and they'll have to apply for reinstatement? It could be that. that. That certainly could be an avenue, and that's typically a precedent that the NFL has set, that you have to go through a process. Uh, to get reinstated and you have to meet with the commissioner and it's sort of like a, a formal interview. And I, I think the comparison with Ridley is more just to denote the severity um, where, you know, the Detroit Lions players, the Jameson Williams was a little bit of a different scenario where they got, I believe six games um, where, you know, if you bet to a certain point or attempt to bet, then that, that warrants the year long suspension. I'm not sure in this case, if it's going to be more severe or not, but, but Ridley is the most noteworthy, uh, that's been a lengthy suspension. So I think that was just more of a touch point. Yeah, I think my concern, if I'm Isaiah Rogers, Jeremy, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm off base, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is our guest. You know, life oftentimes when it comes to penalties or even in the NFL, whatever it might be, is based sometimes on precedent to give you kind of a baseline of what you're dealing with. And I think the NFL tried to make the statement with Calvin Ridley, of like, look, this is serious business. I mean, yes, we might be aligned with some of these apps, but – this is serious business. So he was suspended for the year, and that was for wagering on the the league itself, but doing so while not within the facility or around his team because Ridley had injury. In Rogers' case, he's not only in the facility, he's on the field of the games allegedly in which he is involved. Does it not seem that at that point the NFL has to then take the precedent and even further increase the penalty to escalate the example they're trying to make? Well, potentially, if you're working on a sliding scale, that would be more severe in that case, especially if you're in the building or on the field. So um, they, it, it's, it's pretty clear that the league is trying to um, – that they've had to make some adjustments on this. They're, re they're reinforcing the rules that have remained the same, but there is a feeling that players didn't quite know – uh, and weren't quite educated enough to, to understand some of the nuances. So now that is clear cut where before we had to make an example, we'll see if they feel the need to have to do that again, where they're kind of navigating 
you know, like whether all the players understood based on the rollout. I, I think that they did. You know, most teams I talked to believe that, um, you know, it was pretty clear cut. But, yeah, in this, in this case, certainly uh, with Isaiah Rogers, um, a year seems like a baseline, and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. But, um, yeah, it, it seems pretty severe. I feel like, Jeremy, and this is maybe me overthinking it, and, and we don't know one another, but if you knew me, you'd go, well, yeah, dude, you overthink everything, right? But, but part of me feels like the NFL has to have this anxiety over these things propping up because in the back of their minds, there has to be the thought process of don't make us look any further than we have to because we're afraid of what we might overturn. Am I overthinking that? You're saying the, the league is asking players not to make them have to look that deep? I'm saying I would think that deep down the league has to have a fear that this might actually be something that the more they look, they're going to find out that they have a much bigger problem than they initially thought and that this is – well, that you you could under you could you could find this, and I'm that sounds like I'm saying with Isaiah Rogers, like ah, don't worry about it, like this happens all the time. That's it's the antithesis. What I'm saying though is it it just feels like it could be this spider web of where and how do you police it. Well, I think that's why the league is trying to get ahead of it because they're concerned about that spiral or they're concerned about widespread gambling. Um, it's it, it's a difficult process where you know I, I talked to uh, one player agent yesterday. It's like you're having to sort of decipher with your particular players about it. Like, hey, you know, you can gamble on another sport if you're away from the facility down the block at the coffee shop. But if you have one foot in your facility and you're gambling on that same sport, whether it's basketball or gymnastics, you know, non-football, then you're in trouble and then you're suspended. So um, it, it's it's. You know, certainly everybody knows you don't don't bet on football, especially on your building. Um, but some of the other sort of gray area players are still trying to figure out. Um, so that's why I think the league is trying to reinforce it, which it did earlier this month, to to be as clear as possible because it seems like for some players it wasn't clear the first time. Um, yeah, I, I do sense that they know they're going to have to um, – there's going to be a Band-Aid put on this right now with, with some of these suspensions that, that are happening that um, they're hopeful enough messages are sent where uh, maybe if, if there is a lot of widespread gambling somewhere that those behaviors will start to change. Uh, someone just asked this. It's a fair question, Jeremy. Do you believe that Isaiah Rogers in any way by, you know, Isaiah Rogers, speaking of getting ahead of it, whether his agent was thrilled by this or not, I don't know, but he he did exactly that. I mean, as soon as his name was linked he came out on social media and said, listen, I did some things I'm not proud of. I apologize. He was pretty candid in it. Does that in any way, shape, or form give leniency towards his penalty? Mm, Possibly. Possibly. Um, Certainly the league appreciates contrition in a lot of cases, you know, where if you fight it, um, that could show lack of remorse, which um, doesn't really help the case, I think especially when it seems like the evidence is probably pretty clear cut. So we'll see, but it's going to be severe regardless. And uh, you know, especially with, with, with kind of him based on reports, following the textbook uh, manual of what not to do with the NFL's gambling policy. 
2023 was supposed to be Isaiah Rogers' final year of his deal with the Colts. Does that contract with the suspension just become frozen and it'll carry over into next season and that'll be his last year with the Colts? Or is it kind of like, how, do, how does that work exactly? I'm not sure if you, you even know, but I just wanted to get some clarification on that. Yeah, essentially that contract would toll. So he would still be under the team's jurisdiction in 2024. Uh, that's typically how these work. I think with the gambling policy, it would fall under all NFL suspensions uh, as far as the contractual nature of it. So, Jeremy, um, as you best understand it, Jeremy Fowler is our guest. He's a senior NFL writer for ESPN. Uh, to put a bow tie on it, as you best understand it or your anticipation, you believe that we will get more clarity and perhaps more names from the NFL on this win? Well, uh, as you know, tomorrow is Friday. And Around 5 p.m. on Friday is typically when news happens in some major leagues. So, um, That's a good call there. Me if, it would not shock me if we get the Friday 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. news dump. Uh, so, but not a guarantee. You know, I think it's one of those things where it's expected. But if it's not finalized, then it might still need more time. I just don't know uh, exactly where it stands. But I know this is something that the league has, has been working on, and, and it seems poised for release. Speaking of precedent, Jeremy, that is spoken like a true veteran, right? Well, 5 o'clock on a Friday typically is when these things come about, mm-hmm. right? No doubt. Don't call it a news dump for anything else. But. That's right. Uh, Jeremy, I want to spin away from Isaiah Rogers, but stick with the Colts. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor situation is an interesting one that's popping up. He seems to be uh, wanting a new extension with the Colts. Uh, have you heard anything about what he's looking for or what the Colts are comfortable with? What, what, is it, what are we looking at when it comes to a Jonathan Taylor contract extension? Well, yeah, they've had some preliminary talks, and certainly the Colts like to try to keep their own key players. Um, they aren't in a major rush. You know, past deals they've done with uh, Shaquille Leonard, I was going to call him Darius, but Shaquille Leonard, Quentin Nelson happened in August, either in training camp or after. And the deadline of the regular season is sort of uh, a baseline here. The running back market is tough because, you know, the players that got $14, $15 million a year on a deal fairly recently. And one of those players is Dalvin Cook, who was released uh, by his team. And so the money hasn't been there, even for good players out in free agency right now. So I I don't know how many teams are eager to give top dollar uh, to a running back, even a good one. Uh, However, you know, the Colts, they're very big on homegrown players getting rewarded, keeping those guys. And I think they can probably find a sweet spot you know, the Nick Chubb contract comes to mind because he <coughs> excuse me, di- didn't have uh, the big average per year. I think it was $12 million something. Uh, but he had three years and a lot of guarantees. So maybe they can do something like that, a three- or four-year deal that's not a huge average per year, but they can at least have a good structure to it that, that satisfies the player. Jeremy, I'm always interested in this for our listeners. Um and without like like this is this is going to be like one of those things in school where like you say a word and you have to give like the first thing the first reactionary thing that comes to your mind right when we know during the Peyton Manning era during the Andrew Luck era you know the Indianapolis Colts were an an epicenter NFL team I mean there was a lot of attention about them that you know you'd go on the road and there would be fans at the visiting stadiums that would be there early to watch Peyton working out et cetera et cetera. And the NFL, in terms of relevance, has ebb and flows. Every franchise is relevant, obviously, because it's the 800-pound gorilla. But in in the NFL world itself, in 2023, 
in terms of overall relevance, competitiveness, level of of times that you got to check in on them, it, the roster, their sexiness, all things put together. Give me the two franchises that you, in your mind, lump together as synonymous when you think of the Indianapolis Colts. The the sister franchises you think of are blank. Go. Sister franchises to the Colts right now or traditionally? Right now. Ooh, so I need to find a middle-of-the-road team with modest values <laughs> uh, and well-known eh, – Steelers is too strong. I would say maybe the Chargers. Okay. Good, not good, not great. You know, good, good roster. Maybe underachieved in some spots. Um, that's a tough question. Saints, a little bit. Not Team bad. Sort of Titans for a quarterback the last few years post Drew Brees. Titans being there. Yeah, maybe. Hey, Titans have had some playoff success, though, you know? Yes, yeah, see? I love the Colts have had enough hey, of that. I'm telling you, Jeremy, people here, and that's what's funny about it, and this is true of every franchise, so I'm not picking on people, but, you know, people in Indy think that, like, the Colts are still the straw mix in the NFL's drink, and I'm like, eh. No, no. <laughs> well, no, Jeremy's – I'll say, I'll say this, though. You know, I did my training camp trips late August, early August, uh, late July, early August, and I wasn't going to go to the Midwest in Indianapolis, but because of Anthony Richardson, I'm very tempted to change my direction. Is that because you think he's going to be, is that because you think he's going to be a great player? Is that because you were intrigued by how high he was drafted or is that because you don't know which way to look at that? Well, probably all the above. I mean, I think I just, I want to find out what he could be right now and and what he could be uh, three years from now. So it's, I mean, the ceiling is massive. You know, you talk to other coaches around the league, they're like, you know, the guy's ridiculous. So, um, it's it's really interesting. Jeremy, you brought up the Titans. Uh, what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins? He's been released by the Cardinals. He had a visit with the Patriots and he's visited with the Titans, but it's been pretty quiet ever since. Have you heard anything in, in regards to DeAndre Hopkins and for Dalvin Cook, for that matter? Well, DeAndre Hopkins is still weighing his options, kind of put a reset up here, made those visits. Um, you know, he's got strong interest from the Titans and Patriots. Those are still under consideration as far as I understand. I know there is mutual interest with the Patriots that that went well. Um, but I think he's in a way closer to training camp. You know, there's certainly going to be some other interest that could get in the mix. So why not wait to see who steps up? Dalvin Cook's in the same boat. I don't think he's going to take any free agency visits. I think he's probably at this point going to wait till after the franchise tag because he has three running backs that are on the tag, and if they get long-term deals, that sort of changes the comps uh, for contracts. And you know, AFC East is sort of one to watch here, and the Dolphins, the Jets, both those teams have looked into Dalvin, and uh, you know, the Patriots too, I believe. Jeremy Fowler's work is, of course, seen on ESPN as an ESPN staff writer and, again, senior football writer covering the NFL. Jeremy, a pleasure, and appreciate the time, and certainly enjoy – Central Indiana when you come to check out Anthony Richardson during camp.